Good morning. I start wake, making our way in here. So we're gonna do uh, some old uh, favorites this morning, per the pastor. On a
Thank you, guys. I asked the worship team this week, uh, hey, can we sing some, like, old hymns? Because I, I grew up in a really small country Baptist church, and I remember some of the truths of these old hymns. And every once in a while, I don't know, so I appreciate you guys doing that today. Really no do. Problem. Some old. You're going to hear some old Baptist hymns today, folks. But I'm glad you're here with us uh, this morning. And so let's open with the word of prayer, and then we're going to have our welcoming time today. Lord Jesus, I thank you. Uh, God, that we're here this morning, Lord, we're here to worship you, and there's been a lot of answered prayers this week, and Lord, um, just right off the bat, it comes to mind about Mindy and how great she's doing after her surgery uh, in St. Louis, and Lord, so just be with her this week, continue, Lord, to, for her to recover, uh, can't wait for her to get back here in a few weeks to see us, and uh, Lord, for Hudson last night, that it turned out everything was okay, and they've got some follow-up appointments, but just so many answered prayers this week of people that have been sick, and they're, they're better, and Lord, I'm just thankful to be here this morning, Lord, to worship you, to teach your word, uh, in everything, Lord, we give you the praise and the glory, in your name I pray, amen. Take a couple minutes this morning, welcome everyone.
except for Hal there. <laughs> Golly. He took it like a champ.
seated. He's as much of an aggravator as I am. I'm just, man, good job. Um, you know, hey, with that song, though, there's a whole sermon. There's a whole sermon right in that song because it's all about Christ's blood, it, it, everything. It's all about Christ's blood. Okay, here's the deal, ladies. Uh, here is a sign-up sheet for T-shirts and crew neck T-shirts. The, the cost is on here. I don't think it made it all the way around, so what I want to do is I'm going to start it on the second row, we're not identifying as ladies this morning, guys, okay? We're going to start it right here and have it go back and then around. And then if somebody can take it downstairs after, we want to make sure everybody has an opportunity, ladies, to sign up um, for T-shirts. Here's the ministry update for uh, the women this week. Tuesday morning, 8.30 a.m. at Mom's Cafe for breakfast. 8.30 a.m. Tuesday morning, ladies, for breakfast at Mom's. There's a women's spring game night. It's going to be on Thursday, March 9th at 6 p.m. Uh, they're going to have a devotion, games, and food. That's on a Thursday night, March 9th. Uh, and today is the last day to order those t-shirts, uh, by the way. Today's the last day. A couple of other things. Young adults, college and career young adult class. Right after morning service, uh, at, from 12 to 3, from 12 to 3 at the Curley's house. Everyone should know where that's at, but Dustin and Rachel can tell you if you don't. Uh, from 12 to 3, they're going to have lunch, uh, a devotion, and then they're going to pack hygiene kits uh, for, for Convoy of Hope to, to help earthquake victims. So that's what they're going to be doing this afternoon uh, from 12 to 3, college and career class. Also, just saw this uh, on the calendar. It's coming up in March. But Tuesday night, March 7th, is Bible Trivia Night. We already have one team formed uh, from here. If you would like to form a team for Bible Trivia Night, it, you can have multiple teams from uh, the churches. Every year, we've missed like the last year or two years because we've had stuff going on. But every year that me and Sierra and Alan have entered that, we've won. Every year. We've brought the trophy back to Crossbridge. So, hey, get your team together. Let's go. If we're going to enter it, we got to beat everybody else in the association, right? There uh, is no competition in church. We're, yeah. There, <laughs> we are very competitive. Not everybody gets a trophy at this deal, okay? So, we're, we're going to make sure that we bring it home, right? Okay, uh, March 18th, Saturday, March 18th is men's prayer breakfast at 8 a.m. Uh, we have that going on. Tonight, uh, I know a lot of the guys are going to be going, uh, the freeway guys are going to be going to, to uh, Fairgrove. They're still going to have men's Bible study. Men's Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock. Discipleship, uh, fellas, is at 4.30. So if you'd like to come for discipleship, you may have missed a few weeks. We can, they can get you caught up uh, at another time. You can pick up. If, so if you never went through discipleship, we have a 14-week uh, book, Lessons, that teach you about, hey, what is... What does God want us as followers of Christ to know? What does that look like in our lives? And so we're, we're trying to fulfill Matthew 28, 19, and 20 um, with the Great Commission and by discipling people. So guys, if you'd like discipleship, please come this afternoon at 4.30. Wednesday nights, uh, we, we're having a great study upstairs. So we have different topics we've been going through on Wednesday nights. So come for Wednesday nights. We have dinner every week at 6.30. 
A big thank you to Tony uh, and Shelly and their team last week. They cooked a, a, an amazing meal for everyone. This week, I don't know who's cooking, but every week they, we just have cooking teams that cook big meals, so you don't have to worry about feeding your family. Come at 6 o'clock and eat dinner, and then all of our classes start at 6.45, and they go from 6.45 to 7.45 every Wednesday night. We are, have tons of people that come on Wednesday night, and it's great. So if you never came on Wednesday night, please come uh, on Wednesday night. And then just a reminder about Saturday Night Freeway. Every Saturday night, our ev evangelistic service at 5.30 for dinner. Uh, the service is at 6 uh, every Saturday night here at the church. Uh, I know we're going to be having some outreaches come up, so I want you to be praying about that. We're going to talk about that today a little bit. Uh, we're going to have uh, outreaches at the park. Be going out and sharing the gospel with people the 4th of July. We're going to have a very, very busy spring, summer, and fall. So be thinking about how you can help reach people in our community with the gospel. I think of spring, too, and is Tommy, when does softball start? Have you got the team going? March the 20th. That's when the church uh, softball team. Uh, so if you want to play softball on the church softball team, please see Tommy, okay? Hey, our manager is hardcore, and so he will get after you because we don't lose when we play softball, do we, There's Tommy? no competition in church. I, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're starting to worry me, Ace. Come on now. The, I, think, I, I made it to one game last year, right, Tommy? And the game I came to, you guys lost. So I don't know that I'm allowed to come, but, um, but uh, if you want to play church softball, uh, talk to, to Tommy also. Anything else this morning uh, that I forgot on announcements? Ace, Ace needs to sign up for softball. All right, he's all over it, Tommy. I'll be the water boy. The <laughs> water boy. I love it. Uh, we don't have fun here or anything, do we? I mean, hey, honestly, does the Lord want you to have fun? Yeah, he made laughter. We should have fun in the Lord together. Okay, if you would stand this morning, let's take up our morning offering, uh, and then we'll have our worship time before we jump into God's Word uh, together uh, today. So bow your heads to me as we pray. Lord Jesus, again, we just come to you, Lord, and... Uh, I'm thankful this morning to be here with my brothers and sisters. I'm, I'm thankful for laughter. Uh, and, and Lord, I'm thankful to be focused on, on you this morning as we worship you. And part of that is giving, uh, God. So as we give, Lord, we give our best to you. Uh, and, and Lord, we give sacrificially. And more importantly, God, we give with joy. We have joy in our hearts because everything we have, it belongs to you anyway. And all we are is stewards. So I pray this morning that we are good stewards. Ones that you will, you will look at and say, Good job, well done, good and faithful servant. And so, Lord, I, I pray that we're that. And, and, Lord, I pray this morning they use us to fund uh, missions all over the world and in our local level that people hear the gospel. And, and, and God, it's a privilege and honor uh, to get to do that. And we love you, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen.
Precious blood of Tony, and I 
on a Sunday morning we haven't announced this on a Sunday morning have we then this young lady be careful you're stepping down for two right yeah she's got a glow because we're gonna have another little baby in this place right all right congratulations all right Luke chapter 5 I love babies not, not all the babies love me back but <laughs> there's one in particular that I have not won over yet but I'm working on it Luke, thank you, Ace. Luke chapter 5 this morning. Luke chapter 5. I remember those old hymns when I was a kid, and Shelly's sister was at the piano, and it was like fire were coming from her fingertips as she was playing those songs. Uh, yeah, just amazing. Luke chapter 5. So this morning, um, we're going to get back into 2 John next week. We're going to. Uh, but but I, this, this is kind of like a, a prep course, I think, a little bit for this summer. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. This is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. Uh, and it's, it's, it's just an amazing passage. Luke chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 11. It says this, On one occasion, 
While the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gesserit, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which is Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, and were partners with Simon, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you uh, this morning again to be here with my brothers and sisters, Lord, worshiping you. Thank you for our worship team this morning uh, leading us in worship of you. And uh, Lord, I pray uh, right now during this time that your word will not return void. It's not going to. That we open our hearts and our minds to receive it this morning. And it challenges us in how we fish. That it challenges us, us in, in, in the methods that we use. And to you be the praise and glory this morning. In your name I pray. Amen. If you're in second grade or below, you can also, you may be seated. Second grade and below can go to children's church this morning if they'd like to. So I am going to finish out 1 John 5 next week. Uh, but, I mean, here's the deal. Spring comes and my mind starts going places when spring gets here. In April, the end of March, 1st of April, we're going to pull out our shotguns and we're going to go shoot some turkeys. And there's nothing better than fried wild turkey, besides maybe fried crappie. Because in the spring, we start going fishing. And so a couple weeks ago, uh, Dan and I, we like to go to the lake together. He's at home sick this morning, but I'm sure he's listening. So uh, I hope he is burdened that he's not here when I'm talking about him, right? But I hope he gets to feeling better. But it's one of my favorite things to do is go crappie fishing with Dan. And we take it serious. Like, we're pretty serious fishermen when we go. Like, um, we want to go and catch fish, and it's an important thing. And we take it so serious that Stacy had mentioned last year about going to Grenada, Mississippi, and fishing at Grenada Lake. And Grenada Lake is considered, like, the best crappie lake in the United States to catch crappie. They're, they're huge. They're three to four pound crappie are not uncommon. So in May, we're gonna, I'm going to be gone. Well, no, I think I'll be back that Sunday. But in May, me and Hunter and Dan and Brock are going to rock and roll to Grenada Lake. Stacy, you got me into this trouble. And we're going to go to Grenada Lake. And I'm hoping we bring back a couple of three or four pound crappie that we can hang in the living room. Right, honey? She says no. But <laughs> we're going to do that. We're going to do that. Uh, and, but I love spring because the grass is green and it's crappie season and the warmer weather, right? And, 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 but there are some people, I take fishing serious. Like when we go, we, but there are some guys that take it 
to a whole nother level even than I do on fishing. I remember years ago, uh, we were at Truman Lake. We'd go every Father's Day weekend. And it just so happened that weekend they had a crappie masters tournament at Truman Lake. And there's this guy, uh, the crappie masters tour are professional crappie fishermen. And this has probably been 12, 13 years ago. And Wally Marshall was there. If you know who Wally Marshall is, he's like, they call him Mr. Crappie. He's like the best crappie fisherman in the United States, pretty hands down. He's, he's amazing at it. But we had his boat there. And this is 12 or 13 years ago. There were satellites on his boat, and there were stuff all over his boat. He probably had, I bet you, $100,000 in this boat. And he had sponsors all over his boat. His shirt was covered in sponsors. And those guys... They go fishing, and what's sad is they'll bring in the weigh-in. They'll be huge fish, and they don't even keep them. They don't even keep them. They turn them loose, and I'm like, I want to be over there when, because, I mean, I, I want to turn crappie loose in deep oil, right? Not, in, not back in the water, but they, they turn them loose, right? But here, back in the days of this text of Peter, James, and John, these guys weren't sports fishermen. They weren't going to try to get a, a fish to hang on the wall. They didn't do catch and release. They did this for a living. So these guys went out every single day. They knew what they were doing. And they also knew that if they didn't catch anything, they didn't get paid. If me and Dan went a couple weeks ago, we had one day we did pretty good. Another day we just did horrible. I caught one and he got skunked. But you know what we did, Jamie, don't listen to this part, because she turned Stephen or helped me with the diet, right? We stopped to Mr. Ed's on the way home and got a cheeseburger. So all wasn't lost that day, right? No big deal. We have a bad day. We're stopping at Ed's. It's going to be a good day, right? Not these guys in Scripture. If they have a bad day, they don't get fed. Their, their mortgage isn't getting paid. So this is serious. Well, then they, they had a, a horrible night of fishing, Horrible night of fishing, and Jesus comes along, and he needs a boat. And you know they got to be frustrated, because they didn't catch anything. So Jesus asks for their boat. He, he has them push it out. He, they push it out, so Jesus, Jesus starts preaching. Now here's the thing. Peter knew who Jesus was. The book of John tells us that. It, you don't have to turn there, but in, first, uh, in John chapter 1, Andrew had introduced Peter to Jesus. So Peter, he probably likes Jesus. He had heard him speak. He felt good when he was around him. There was something different about Jesus. So when Jesus asked to borrow the boat, okay, I'll let you borrow the boat. So Peter does it. So for the next hour or so, we don't know exactly how long, but Peter has a front row seat to the best preaching in history from the Lord Jesus, right? Now the sermon's over. Peter's got to get back to his real work, but then Jesus has other plans. And I love the part where they had cleaned their nets, because they're fishing in salt water with nets. And so if you don't clean your nets, what happens to your nets? Salt water's rough on stuff. It disintegrates things. It tears things up. So they had taken a long time in cleaning their nets. But Jesus tells them, throw your net. Throw your net out. Now, Peter, we have to remember about this story, is a professional fisherman. He does this for a living, and he knows a couple of things. We don't catch any fish during the day. That's why we go at night. And this is not where we go fishing at. We're just off the shore here. 
This isn't where we fish at. And, and this is the wrong time of day. And you can almost hear Peter or see Peter saying, like, are you serious? Like, if we throw our nets out, that means we're going to have to take the time to clean them all over again. I like this guy, but he doesn't know anything about fishing. I know about fishing. He doesn't know anything about fishing. So what does Peter try to do in verse 5? He tries to reason with Jesus a little bit. He tries to reason with him. We've worked all night, and we haven't caught anything. What is Jesus' response? Nothing. He doesn't say anything back. He had told him to cast out his nets. He looks at Peter. He just looks at him. And you know, Jesus has given him the look like, I told you to put your nets in the water. But he doesn't say anything. So what does Peter do? Okay, fine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cast in my nets, right? And then suddenly what happens? This is the amazing part of this. The water starts to boil the fish. Suddenly there's fish all over. Now this is when you're fishing, when you get excited. You get pumped, right? There's usually a couple of week period, 14 days or so, if you fish for crappie, that it is on. I mean, you can go, it's called the spawn. And what happens is large schools of crappie come into the bank and they make nests. The males come in first and they make a nest. And then the females come in full of eggs and they lay their eggs. And there's thousands of crappie that come up to the bank. Well, guess what we do? We go to the lake and we cast up practically on the bank and take a couple of reels off and you've got to fish. And there'll be times when there'll be four of us in the boat and everybody's got to fish on. In Missouri, your limit is 15 per person. It don't take you an hour to get 15 fish and you're going home. It's amazing. The fishing is amazing because it's the right time of year to do it. And so when you're on and everybody's got a crappie on, you're pumped. It's exciting. I mean, it's a blast, right? And so these guys are excited because nothing. They had never caught fish like this before during this time of day. They had never caught that many. The nets are about ready to break. And then Peter has this amazing revelation. He realizes who Jesus is. He starts to realize, oh my goodness. And he realizes who he is. And he falls down on his knees. He falls at his knees and he says, Lord, please leave me. I'm way too much of a sinner to be around you. I'm way too much of a sinner to be in your company. Listen, my first point this morning that I want to talk about is that is the brokenness that we have to have when we come to faith in Christ. The brokenness when we are confronted with the holiness of who God is. Now, what does this have to do with fishing? Well, we're going to get to the fishing commanded to fish for men in a minute. But I want you to think back, and many people, and, and, and not anybody even here in general, but they, they, get, they think about Christ or they profess Christ, and there's never been any brokenness in their life. Like, okay, I like the idea of being a Christian. Sounds like a good thing. Sounds like a good deal. 
I mean, it's not that bad. You go to some meetings every once in a while, maybe a couple of times a month. Crossbridge is going to feed you a great meal about every time we get together, right? The guy's going to talk about fishing and hunting during the season. That's kind of cool. All right, whatever, it's good. Ah, maybe I'll get something out of it, maybe not. Maybe it'll help my business. Maybe, maybe I can get some business deals. Look good in society because where we live in the Bible Belt, everybody says they're a Christian because that's the accepted thing to do. It's just, it, it's going to look good. Maybe the church will support something that I want to do or I get to do. Maybe I have to have paperwork signed because I'm on probation. The church will do that. I mean, whatever, right? Those are all of the reasons why we shouldn't start with coming to Christ. When we are confronted with who God is and the holiness of who He is, there should be a brokenness in us where we fall to our knees and say, Lord, I am way too sinful to be around you. We should be thankful for what God has saved us from, how much He loves us. There's a great picture of this in Scripture. I read it again this week. It's found in Isaiah chapter 6. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 6. Verses 1 through 4. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. It says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Let me stop there real quick. Who's Isaiah seeing? Scripture teaches us that no one's ever seen the Father. So who is Isaiah seeing? The Lord Jesus. He sees the Lord Jesus on the throne. Verse 4, and the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me. Does this sound, sound familiar yet? Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, keep going, one more verse. Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. That's a picture of salvation in Christ. What was Isaiah's reaction when he stood in the presence of Jesus' glory? Woe is me. He was broken over what? His sin. What was Peter broken of when he stands in the presence of Jesus? His sin. His sin. His sin. Listen, for, for Peter, this moment for Peter was life-changing. Life-changing. It was life-changing. Peter was never going to be the same. Ever again. Ever again. And what was Peter re Peter's reaction to this whole deal? Verses 10 and 11. He left, back in our text, he leaves everything. He abandons everything. Back in Luke chapter 5, 
he leaves, verse 10 and 11. And so were also James and John, son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had, le- when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. They abandoned their life. They literally picked up their cross and followed. They said, I'm done with my previous life. I'm following you. They left everything. They gave up everything. Now here's the earth-shattering revelation to this, right? It comes in the form of a question today. What's the purpose of a fisherman? To catch fish. When you're a fisherman... You want to catch fish. You want to catch fish. Just like a fisherman, you can put thousands of dollars into boats, into rods and reels, into gear. But if you don't catch fish, it's worthless. You don't go catch the fish, it's worthless. Well, what is our primary objective as a church? The church is made up of brothers and sisters in Christ. What is our primary objective? To win souls to Christ and disciple them. To share the gospel with the lost and dying world. Listen, this building, many people think that the building is the church. This building isn't the church. This building is just a tool. If this this building were to burn this week, it's not going to be that sad. We're going to go to Allen's barn or Max's barn or somebody's barn and we're going to have church next Sunday. I'm probably going to have to speak a little louder, speaking maybe not bad, but I'm not going to have a microphone. I'm going to have to speak a little louder. We're still going to have a worship team playing guitars and worshiping and the church is going to meet because we're the church. The building is a tool. Churches can have, we can have the biggest, we're in a building program because we need more room, right? We can have the biggest building that you ever could imagine. It could be the Taj Mahal. But if you aren't sharing the gospel of Christ and discipling people, it doesn't mean anything. It's just a building. It would mean absolutely nothing. Everything that we do, our Bible study classes, are a tool to teach you to follow Christ, to be more in His Word, to learn God's Word, to be able to share it, to learn how to teach others, which is discipleship. Our music teams, Ace and the worship teams, and and Valerie and, and Dave on Saturday nights and our worship teams, music is a tool. It gives us an opportunity to sing praises to who matters, Jesus. It's an opportunity for us to worship. You know what our worship team is not? It's not a concert. So many churches think that, well, we ought to put on this amazing show to get people in the doors. Or we have to have the best group of this or that. And they forget that it's a tool. It's a tool to share the gospel. Our songs that we sing, our songs that we sing should share the gospel. That's what, I mean, we should sing them and it should amount to a sermon. It should be a sermon and a song. That, hey, I'll tell you what, I sat through many a songs or sermons when I was a kid. Many a sermons. I don't remember hardly any of them. They had an impact. The Holy Spirit used them. But you know what? When Ace was singing Victory in Jesus, we're a little bit behind on the slides. I knew the words. 
Because I memorized them. I knew them from a kid. They stick with you. Those are sermons. They're a tool to bring praise to Jesus. The church leadership. The church leadership. The preachers. Your focus should never be following a preacher. I, I, I pray he doesn't, but if God moves me and Selena to Florida, don't move to Florida. If he moved us into another county preaching the gospel, don't follow us. Stay with your brothers and sisters. You're the church. You're the church. You can get charismatic, good speakers, right? You can have all of that. Don't follow men, follow God. Men fail. I fail. Ask my kids and my wife. I'm not perfect. Follow me. Don't. Inspire. Our leadership should inspire the congregation to change their lives to serve Jesus. Not serve the leadership. To serve Jesus. To learn how to what? Go fishing. Not for crappie. That's a bonus. For men. For men. To go fishing for men. Listen, I could go on and on and on. The communion, offering, youth programs, special events. We don't exist to do those things. We don't exist to have outreaches. We exist to bring people to Jesus. Those activities, those outreaches are tools that we use. They're like having a rod or a reel or a lure, right? Now, here's the thing. Here's where I want to go with this. Because, well, let me start. Let me say this first. Luke 19.10. What are these tools for? Why, did, why was this important? Because Jesus said, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus said, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So what's the mission for the church? Go fishing. Go fishing for men. Go fishing for men. You can do that on a fishing trip. If you got a boat, invite, invite somebody who's lost. I pray you catch fish that day or they're not going to think you're a very good fisherman. But you can sp- spend some time in that boat talking to them about Christ. You, these are all tools, right? We, listen, we have the honor and the privilege of fishing with Jesus for Jesus. Now here's the issue. And I'm going to hurry. I'm getting behind. But here's the, here's the issue. Many people don't know how to use the lure. You ever, you ever went deep sea? Anybody been deep sea fishing in here? Okay. Anybody ever went marlin fishing? Okay. Marlin fishing? You got lures that are huge. If I was to take a, 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 lure, a lure for blue marlin, they're, they're like, some of them are like this. They're huge. And I took it up to Truman to catch some crappie. How many crappie am I going to come home with? None. Let me be a little more practical. If I bring a thing of chicken livers, don't eat chicken livers. Use them as catfish bait. But if I was going to take chicken livers up to the lake or even my pond to catch one of me and Hunter's big old catfish, I'm going to catch them. But if I try to use chicken livers to catch crappie, I'm not going to bring home no food. Right? You got to have the right bait. You got to have the right bait. Too many times we don't know what the bait is. Now, here's the thing. If you're a visitor this morning, maybe you don't know about all this Christianity stuff. Maybe you don't know about this Jesus. What I want to do right now is I'm going to fish for you. 
But what I want to do more than anything is I want my brothers and sisters to take out their Bibles or their notebook, and I want, to make you, I want you to make some notes. Because you're going to have opportunities this spring and this summer and this fall to go fishing. To go fishing. So what do we do? The first thing about fishing is knowing how to use the gear. Knowing how to use what God has given us. Right? So here we go. First thing somebody has to understand is that they've sinned. And that they've fallen short of the glory of God. What about Isaiah? He says what in Isaiah 6? I'm a man of unclean lips. He recognizes his sinfulness before God. What does Peter do? Falls down at Jesus' feet. He recognizes his sinfulness. Everyone here today is a sinner. And we have to compare ourselves to God, not each other. That's the problem. Many times, we love to make a comparison, but it's always to somebody that's worse than us. It's never going to be somebody who's not worse than us, because we want to come out on the good end of the factor. But if you start comparing yourself to a holy and perfect God who has never sinned, it humbles you. So you have to understand that you have sinned. You have broken God's law. Because we've broken God's law, there is absolutely a punishment for that. Just like if I broke the law and I was taken before judge. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So what we earn or a wage is death. That's what we deserve because of our sin. But God does something amazing. We deserve punishment. We deserve punishment. And all that penalty, all that wrath, the penalty that we deserve had to be paid for. Had to be paid for. Oh, this is the good part though. Here's the good part. God offers us a free gift of eternal life and forgiveness through His Son, Jesus. You don't earn a gift. When somebody gives you a gift, it's not something you earn. You, you get the gift because they love and care about you. They, they love you. So you get the gift because they love you. You have to open that gift to see what's inside. You don't earn it. It's all free. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You're saved through faith. And you're made right with God through faith. Not anything that you can do. That separates biblical Christianity from every other religion in the world. You don't have to work for your salvation. It's a free gift. I want, you, I want to talk real quick about the payment. You know, when, when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he's arrested, he is overcome with grief and emotion. And he prays a prayer and he says, God, let this cup, if it's your will, let it pass from me. You know what that cup was? It was the wrath of God against sin. Our sin. Jesus goes to the cross and on the cross, every sin that's ever been committed is placed on him on the cross. God's full wrath and judgment and punishment is being poured out on Jesus for me and you. And he's dying for it. That's
That is amazing. It's amazing that God in flesh would do that, has that much love for us. Jesus comes and he's resurrected. He shows that he was the perfect sacrifice, defeating death. Now when we believe on him, when, when we believe on the Lord Jesus, what you have in your account is sin. You've accumulated sin in your life. In Jesus' account is nothing but perfect righteousness. He never sinned. When you believe on Jesus, your bank account goes to zero with your sin. And it gets his righteousness gets put in there. That's imputation, his imputed righteousness on us. That's amazing. That's amazing. So as a Christian, we can't walk around and say, look at me, I'm a Christian. We didn't do anything. There's no amount of sermons you could preach to be made right in God's eyes. No amount of good you could do to be made right in God's eyes. What Jesus did is what 1 Peter 2.24 says. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. He died for us. What a verse. What a verse. And he knew it was going to happen before his crucifixion. He, he said if this cup could pass. He knew it. And yet he still did it. There's no greater love than that. And he did it for people who rejected him, who hated him, who sinned against him. He did it for us who have rejected him our whole lives by our life. He didn't say, the Bible doesn't say, clean yourself up really good and say a whole bunch of prayers and attend so many church services and do this, 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 and this, and then I'll save you. He says he died for us while we were yet sinners. That's amazing. That's amazing. So what, what happened? What do we do? What do we do? Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us, it says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now what is that? What is confessing with your mouth? That's not a simple acknowledgement that there is a God and that there's a God that's the Lord of the universe. Scripture teaches that demons will acknowledge that. Demons acknowledge that there's one God. This is a deep down. When you confess Jesus as your Lord, it is a deep personal conviction without reservation that Jesus is your master, your Lord of your life. It means you recognize your sin and that you're trusting in Jesus and the completed work that he did on the cross for salvation. And you're submitting to him. Belief that he was raised from the dead proved his, his resurrection proves that Christ was who he claimed to be. You know another reason why I love spring? Because we get to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus. We get to celebrate Good Friday. We get to celebrate Easter morning. Not the Easter bunny, the resurrection of Jesus. Do the Easter Bunny if you want to, if your family wants to, and eat some chocolate. But let them know that it's about Jesus' death and burial and resurrection. That's what it's about. When you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, what happens? You're new. Now, what does that mean? I'm a completely different person in one day? No. It means you're a completely different person in God's eyes and how he views you. 
And now, because you're that new person, your life goals and focus has changed from one of mine and what I want to do to one of, God, how can I glorify and honor you with what I do? Anyone, here's the amazing part. Romans 10.13 says, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. There's no class of people that are excluded. There's no different color of people that are excluded. There's no different country of people that are excluded. It says anybody. Anybody. That's amazing. No matter, hey, no matter what you've done in your past, I've talked to people before, and I'm closing right now, but I've talked to people in the past, and they say, if I stepped into a church, lightning would strike me. You ever talk to anybody like that? They say, there's no way I could ever walk into a church. There's no way that I could ever do that. I, what, what I've done in the past is just too much. Listen to me. You can be forgiven and made new. There's nothing Listen to me this morning. There's nothing that you could have done in your life that Jesus can't save you and forgive you from this morning right now. Nothing. Nothing. There's nothing. Now listen. You know what I've just done? I've baited the hook. I've thrown the line out there. It's not up to me whether they bite or not. Dan and I went. Keep pointing at you, Ken, and I know Dan's not here. I'm sorry. But me and Dan went fishing two weeks ago, literally. We have live scope on the boat, which is a high, fancy sonar that shows you where all the fish are. We are covered in crappie. There's like 200 crappie around us. And we have live minnows, and we can't get one of them to bite. And, And, I mean, we're switching lures out faster than we can tie them on. We're trying to figure out, why are these fish not biting? And we're getting frustrated. I want to throw dynamite in the water. Then you come bail me out of jail if I throw dynamite in the water. But we're frustrated. Why won't you bite? It's not up to us if the person bites or not. It's not up to you. All you're supposed to do is be obedient and go fishing. You know what Jesus said? He said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. He didn't say catchers of men. He said fishers. So what's our responsibility? Sow the seeds. Throw the line out. If you catch something, great, amen. Angels in heaven would rejoice. If you don't, amen. Thank you, God, that I have the opportunity to be obedient to what you called me to do. That's what it's about. It's about fishing, not catching. Here's the, here's the thing. I'm asking the worship team to come. I got two questions. Two questions as our worship team comes. Number one. Have you seen yourself, has there been a time in your life where you have seen yourself like the prophet Isaiah did, like Peter did, where you see yourself in the light of God's holiness and his perfect sinlessness, and you look at your life and say, woe is me, for I am undone in what I've done in my life. When you do that, you know what you start seeking? A solution to that brokenness. Has there ever been a point in your life where you've gotten down on your knees and said, Lord, be merciful to me, for I'm a sinner? There's a story in Luke 15 that we covered this morning. I don't know where Brian and Abby are at. They're around here somewhere. But we we, we covered Luke 15. 
believe it's 15. There's a really religious guy that goes into the temple to pray. And he says, Lord, I'm thankful that I'm not like other men. I'm thankful that I tithe, and I'm thankful that I pray, and I'm thankful that I'm just not like those scumbags over there. I'm paraphrasing here, but that's what it says in the gist. And he's prideful. His chest is swelled up. You got another guy over here who's a tax collector. He's a thief. He steals from his own people. And you know what he does? He won't even lift his head up to heaven. He lowers his head and he says, Lord, be merciful to me because I'm a sinner. And Jesus said, who do you think went home justified that day? You know what justified means? It means to be made right in God's eyes. That's salvation. Who went home saved? The one who said, I'm thankful, God, that I'm not like all these scumbags. Or the one who said, God, I'm a sinner. Be merciful to me. That guy went home justified. Be like that guy. Be like that guy. Has there been a point in your life where you were? If not, I would challenge you this morning on whether you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I would challenge you on that. Not challenge is the wrong word. Question you. You work out your salvation this morning. Will. Here's, here's my other question. Christians. We are equipped to share the good news. We are equipped to go fishing. Will you? Will you? Will you go fishing? Will you go fishing for Christ at work? At home? In the community? When we have outreaches? You know what? I'm telling you, I'm not going to catch a crappie at all this spring sitting at home on my couch. So me and Dan are going to get in the boat and we're going to go. I guarantee you, no one in your household is going to be saved if you don't share the gospel with them. We want to change the community, go fishing. Get your line out, go fishing. That's a challenge. That's a challenge that if you've been a brother or sister For 20 years, but you've never shared the gospel, let this year be the year that you go fishing. I'm asking you to stand. If you need to come this morning, I believe the Holy Spirit will have convicted you. You can come. I'll pray for you. If you need to hear the gospel, I'll do that again. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, this morning for this church. I thank you for everyone here, everyone that's going to listen online or has been. I pray, God, that we're a church that's fishing, that we have our lines out. And Lord, I didn't even touch on it this morning, but not only have our lines out, but leaving our former life behind. Following you, being obedient to you. Lord, I pray this morning if there's someone here that doesn't know you, that today is the day. Today is the day your spirit works in their heart and they see that they have a need and they're broken because of their sin in their life. Lord, in everything that we do as a church, As elders, as brothers, as sisters in Christ, it it has to be for you. So I pray for that this morning. In your name I pray, Lord. Amen.
right, I want to thank you for coming today. I want to say this. This is an evangelistic, uh, challenging message, I know. Maybe you're the, here today and you're like, hey, I don't have the gift of evangelism, Jeff. Okay, I understand that because God gives us all different gifts, right? We have missionaries. And it's, it's not ironic that this is on my desk this morning when I got here. We have a missionary. It's just an Ozark. Uh, his name is Austin Baker. They are making hundreds of movies of the gospel. And, and where these are going, they're going into unreached people groups around the world. They're going to Africa. They're going to South America. And, and I guess in a lot of other countries, uh, people will take the, the SIM cards out of their phones. They slide in and out, and they'll watch stuff on them. What they do is they make Jesus films with people in their own language, and they put them on SIM cards, and they pass them out to millions of people, right? He's one of our missionaries we support. You say, well, I... I'm not good at sharing the gospel. Fund a missionary. Skip going out to dinner on Friday night and take that money and give it to a missionary. It's a way that you can fish, right? You're still going to have your, hook, your bait in the line because our missionaries need funding. Those are ways that anybody in the church, whether you're gifted in talking to somebody one-on-one -on -one or not, that's why we have different ways to share the gospel, right? So this doesn't exclude somebody. Don't, don't give yourself a pass this morning by saying, well, I'm glad I don't have the gift of evangelism. I didn't have to. This doesn't apply to me. Yes, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does, because that's our mission. Here's the encouraging part. Maybe I wasn't very encouraging this morning, but here's the encouraging part. Romans 10, 15. This is the benediction. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. God thinks it's beautiful. He thinks your feet are beautiful when you preach the good news. That's awesome. You're beautiful when you are sharing the gospel. Because that's our mission. That is our mission. I'm going to ask Mike, our, evangel our evangelistic freeway outreach coordinator, to close us in prayer.